Welcome to the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast, the podcast for SeedSing.com. I am your host, R.D. Kulik, and with me here is what I would call the biggest tech success of all time, and that is the disembodied voice of the greatest other host, Ty Kulik. How are you today, Ty? Hi, everybody. Um, I'm doing good. I wouldn't say I'm so techie. You've had to send me all my equipment that I use for recording, so... Maybe you're the tech savant. No, you're on to, I was reading something, this was a while ago, the topic we're going to cover, but I was reading about how Uber loses billions of dollars every year. Netflix loses billions of dollars every year. Amazon lost money from its introduction in the 1990s. Holy and cow. So everybody's, oh, we're just going to wait till we, we do what Amazon does. But that's a topic for another day, because <laughs> today, Ty, I'm going to tell you the story of the biggest tech gadget failures of our lifetime. Now, these are not software. There are some things software-wise we could talk about. I could do a whole episode about the idiocy of Quibi and how that happened. Oh, yeah. Quick bits. Yes. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> but no, these are like actual physical technology pieces that I wanted. A lot of them you might not even, you're aware of these. I think every single one of these I'm going to talk about you've heard of. But some of the okay. stories, especially the last one I'm going to tell you, you're going to be like, what the F was going on? Because okay. it's I, I listened to an entire podcast series, what I'm going to spend five minutes talking to you about. It's so oh, fascinating right. to me. And there's going to be a lot of familiar names that we talk here. I'm not talking about some little startup. Like I could have easily put something like the Juicero on here. The thing that you would, it would squeeze your juice for you. And then they found out, you know what, if you just did it by hand, it's just as easy and the thing costs like I've, $1,000. I've been doing it the old-fashioned way by sm smashing oranges against my head a la yes, and yes. Dr. Nick. <laughs> Again, I could have put that, but that was some idiot that was rich out in California who got a whole lot of money from people. I might tell that story one day, but no, I wanted to talk about the big things, okay? Things that big companies, a lot of these companies still around today, that did something that was going to change the world, and it literally just farted billions of dollars into the wind. Because okay. that's what big companies can do. Oh, yeah. And we're going to start with Sony. All right? I know so, Sony. So this was, this goes a little, this is before your time. It was right around when I was born. It's actually May 10th, 1975, so just nine days before yeah. I was born. Sony developed this reusable and a format that you could tape things on that you could take multiples in and out of. It wasn't like before when you filmed, you had your big film cameras, you had your big cans, you had to do all that stuff. Sony developed something that fit in the palm of your hand, and it was okay. known as the Betamax tape. So you've probably uh, heard of Betamax. I've heard of Betamax. I don't know what it is, but I've heard Betamax in old movies yeah. and stuff. And Betamax really changed a few industries. One being local news. That So now they could have smaller cameras. They could have these floppable tapes. They could reuse the tapes. These were the all the important things. And then the porn industry. It widely wow. changed in the movie Boogie Nights. They talk about this because mm -hmm. they didn't have to pay for big expensive film cameras anymore. Yeah. So Betamax was a big thing, and then shortly after that, a rival system came out called VHS. Yep, we had lots of those <laughs> so, in the house growing up. But we did not have a lot of Betamax. No, I don't remember any. Betamax, they did create, Sony created a Betamax player, and they, Sony didn't, I don't think they owned Columbia Pictures at the time, so they didn't really have a movie studio per se, but they were like, only Sony stuff can go on Betamax, whereas VHS, I think JVC came up with it, said anybody can use it. We'll just sell you the VHS. You can do what you want with it. Betamax had better sound. It had a better picture. But VHS, 
was cheaper and anybody could use it. So mm-hmm. that today is why we know of VHS or why we all use VHS and not Betamax. Just to I was going to we all know, but I was talking with my son who's 11 the other day and my daughter happened to be in the room. She's seven. And my wife and I mentioned VHS and they both looked at what's that. And we explained to them how you could watch movies on it. And that's how like DVDs used to come, which my daughter said, what's a DVD, <laughs> yep. which kind of shocked me too. But yeah, I had to explain to my 11 and 7-year-old, my wife and I had to explain to our 11 and 7-year-old what a VHS was, and they were shocked that you had to use like a remote to fast forward stuff and that you could tape stuff on it, and you, but you had to rewind it. It's very well widely known with our age range, but you talked to, I wonder if your son, I bet you he does because you're his father and mm, you physical media. have stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, but I'm just curious like where that stops because I know with my kids, my 11 and 7-year-old, my 11-year-old had a vague idea of what VHS was. My 7-year-old had no I Again, no. she barely knows what a DVD is. No, I my wife will often say this. She said, I'm one of the first people she ever knew that had a DVD player mm-hmm. and that was in 1999. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's how late that was. <laughs> And because I, I remember buying my first DVD was Training Day, which I don't know why I made that my first mm-hmm. one, but I was out of high school. So it must have been 02 or 03 when I bought that. And I think I know I could tell the poor stories of my childhood and how we were one of the last people with a VHS player. It but was, we had, had Eddie Murphy as James Brown yes. SNL playing constantly. In oh, our house, yeah. I loved it. Oh, yeah. and But we had it early yeah. on. We had it in the early 80s, mid 80s. And then with DVD... I know most people's first DVD player is probably a PlayStation 2. Mm-hmm. It's a, why that's still the, yeah, that's the best selling video game console of all time. Mm-hmm. And that's why, because it was a lot of people's first DVD players. Because DVD players were still around $300 at the time. So here's one, oh, yeah. again, speaking of Sony, here's one yeah. that Sony made. And uh, it also was, it happened to be a video game system, too. And then... yeah. I can't remember when. I know it was right before the pandemic that vinyl records outsold DVDs. Oh, but, wow. But that was when people were moving to streaming. So when you looked at the share of how people consume music, streaming was still like 60%, 70%. When it switched, I know when my son was born was around, so 2010 was around when Netflix started streaming. And Mm -hmm. I don't have it in here. When I do the episode, we're going to talk about software and I'm going to talk about Netflix and and Blockbuster. Yeah. Something else our kids probably don't know. Blockbuster. (laughs) But but it was around 2010 because I remember when uh, my son was first born, I was trying to get him to nap. I would watch reruns of the G.I. Joe cartoon on Netflix. That's how I got back into Uh, it. But um, so it had to be probably a few years after that when streaming kind of overtook DVDs. Yeah, because I remember when I started staying home with my son, it was 10 years ago, so 20, 2012, 2013-ish, I would still get DVDs mailed to me from Netflix. That's how I watched Breaking Bad. But I also remember when that stopped. I'm like, oh, I can just watch all this stuff stream. Yeah. And then uh, along with the format wars, though, so we we're talking about DVDs. Around that same time that uh, DVDs were becoming big, there was a competing system out called HD DVD, high definition DVD, which mm-hmm. was considered a little bit better. And as a matter of fact, when the PlayStation or HD DVD, I'm sorry, was supposed to p- compete with Blu-ray. Now, Blu-ray was Sony's system at the time. Okay. So Sony's changes the dynamic a little bit. And Sony did own a movie studio. They owned Columbia and they'd only let their movies on Blu-ray. 
HD DVD, which again was a good system, but they didn't have any of those Columbia movies. And with the PlayStation 3 coming out, the Xbox 360, Microsoft made an attachment that sold for $200, an HD DVD attachment. You've probably never owned an HD DVD. Nope, didn't need to. Needless to say, Sony's huge market share with the PlayStation along with their movie studio killed HD DVD. And to Microsoft's credit, they refunded every single person that bought that add-on. Good for them. And I know two people that did buy it, too. Oh, not me or any of our friends ever. Have we ever reminisced on the days of HD DVDs? No. And then I don't know if you remember Divix. No idea what that is. Never heard of that. So another dinosaur long gone, Circuit City. Oh, I know Circuit City. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They had for a while something called Divix, which were DVD movies that would play two or three times before they would be obsolete. And you could go to Circuit City and they'd be about the same cost of renting it from Blockbuster. Now, can Hmm. you take a guess why this failed? People probably just stole it and they made no money. No, there, there's stuff like that. But you have these discs that you'd put in, do two or three times. What do you do with the discs afterwards? You're supposed to put them away, right? Yeah, throw them away. They're useless oh, oh, now. people threw them away? They're useless now. So it, it was this huge PR problem that everybody's like, why are you creating all this extra trash? Yeah, okay, yeah. I didn't think about that because with DVDs, you always put them back in the case. Yes. No, this you would play two or three times like you rented it and then the disc would be useless and it's okay, I'll throw it away. I mean, it's... And it is trash. I'll talk about AOL some, not on this one, but that was one of the big backlashes to AOL. Plus the fact that they never thought we were going to stop dialing up on the internet, but that's another story. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So let me move on to video game systems here, okay? Yeah. I'm going to start with one that's a success, actually, and I think you went through this. Okay. So the original version of the Xbox 360, the white version, Uh there was a heating problem with it. Yeah. And So you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. The first Xbox, I had this problem. Yeah. Yeah. Where you would turn (laughs) it on one day and suddenly the on area would be this big, bright red ring. Yep. It was useless. It would not work after that. No, it was... I remember trying to play stuff after that happened and getting wildly frustrated that it wouldn't (laughs) work. Now, Microsoft, I'm sure you did this, said, just send it back to us. We'll send you a new one. Oh, I did not do that. Oh, okay. I wasn't smart (laughs) enough to do that back then. Yeah, they lost billions off that. It really hurt their reputation. But then the Xbox 360 ended up going on because of games, mainly. Ended up going on. Never beat Sony, but it came really close. It's the best they've ever done. In the video game market, they did beat Nintendo in that. And I had, when you and I lived together, we had a PlayStation 2 because we played Madden and NCAA football and NBA Street are the games I remember playing. I also remember coming home from a date one night with the date and you were wine drunk, passed <laughs> out playing Final Fantasy on that yep, PlayStation. that's right. So, <laughs> I think that was like the first the- time I beat Final Fantasy 10. <laughs> you had a whole bottle of wine that was gone that night because when I left, on the date with my then girlfriend, mm. it was full. And when I came back, you were yep. hammered and it was empty. So, but anyway, that's a, another podcast, which I think we might have actually yeah. talked about that before. Yep. But I love the PlayStation 2, but I haven't had a PlayStation since that. And I do have the new, not the new, I have an Xbox 360. I have one of the cheaper new models or whatever, but I think that system's great because you can, again, it's like with anything, you can go online and buy games. You can, you don't need to have physical copies of it. And I don't know. We have a Switch and an Xbox 360 in my house, and that's what we have now. 
Yeah, so let's talk about the death of Sega and its video oh, game I used system. I love Sega. Sega is still a wildly powerful force in video games. And mm-hmm. again, I'll probably do a bigger podcast about this because the, the history of a lot of these companies, like the ColecoVision, Coleco, before they made, yeah, before they made video games, they made kiddie pools and leather products. Huh. And then they decided to make video games. Sega. Did, did their computers rust up real quick, like Gil said? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so Sega, though, Sega was a big player. They were competing with Nintendo in the mid-1990s. Everybody's getting ready for, it was called the sixth generation, but. You had at the time the PlayStation had been out, so people knew that and they knew the PlayStation 2 was coming. Microsoft was talking about getting into the marketplace with the Xbox, and Nintendo was going to be coming out with a new system. So Sega created the Sega Dreamcast that came out in late 1998. I remember the Dreamcast. I didn't know anybody who had it, but I remember seeing commercials for it endlessly. So the Dreamcast had a pretty powerful system, but it ran on two different processors. So if you were making a game for it, you would have to make it to adapt to those two processors. This is a famous problem Nintendo has with a lot of video game makers, is Nintendo makes you buy their format, their disc or cartridge or whatever. And so you pay Nintendo for the format, and then you got to pay Nintendo again for them to actually put it in the stores. It's a big... People love Nintendo, but it's a company like Apple that seems doesn't give a crap about its customers. But Sega did not have the cachet Nintendo had. And a lot of video game makers were like, we're not going to deal with this. Plus, it had this weird controller. But the weird thing Mm. about the Dreamcast is it was far and away a better system than the PlayStation 2 or not the N64, but the GameCube or the Xbox, maybe. The most famous thing about the Dreamcast, though, again, 1998, it was the first video game system with a built-in modem for online gameplay. Oh, wow. I'm surprised they didn't make it. That. No, they it yeah, it's just at the end of the day, again, the PlayStation 2 was a DVD player. That was the biggest mm-hmm. thing for that. A Nintendo had Mario and Zelda games they could sell you. Yeah. And Microsoft, and you ever hear the story of the Xbox and just the massive amounts of money they lost off of it? Sure. But they owned basically, they didn't have to create new things. Like the Dreamcast worked off of a Windows system. Microsoft owns Windows. They don't have to pay for licensing and all that stuff for that crap. But the Dreamcast, a lot of people, you go look at these old video game communities and people really loved it, but there just weren't a lot of games for it. And it just, the marketing was really strange. They had these just really weirdo ass commercials. It just never weird commercials. Yeah, they were almost like, if my memory serves correct, like gothic type commercials. It was all dark and it was weird. Yes. Now, along with video game systems, and this isn't the last time I'm going to talk about this company because I'm going to start off the second half with something very famous. In the time that Steve Jobs was not the head of Apple computers, it's a guy, I can't remember his name now. Jeff Bridges played him in the movie with Fassbender. But when Apple fired him and then before they rehired him again, so throughout the mid-90s, there's just a laundry list of Apple products that you're like, what? There's even a Simpsons. And I know exactly when the Simpsons showed, the one with the Hullabalooza. Oh, yeah. That episode premiered on my 21st birthday. So that would have been May. That would have been May 19, 1996. And there's a scene in there where 
Homer's, let's hullabaloo's and the guys, it's the greatest music show ever. And mm-hmm. Homer's, there's only one great music show, and it was the Us show. And it was oh. by that guy that founded Apple Computer. <laughs> and the guy in The Simpsons says, what computers? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, because that guy doesn't know any of the bands that Homer's referring to. He <laughs> yeah. says, what computers for that? But that episode, just real quick to go on a Simpsons thing, has one of the greatest lines ever with, Hey, Homer, Billy Corgan, Smashing Pumpkins, Homer <laughs> Simpson, smiling politely. Yep. Yep. Man, I forgot that they made fun of that. Yeah. Because I, I remember I watched, there was some documentary, maybe it was a Woodstock 99 one that I watched where they talked about the Us Festival and that and just how bad, like how that, that was not a good festival. Yeah. So this system, it was called the Paladin. It wasn't necessarily yeah. it wasn't necessarily an Apple system. It was made with a few people, but Apple was one of the backers on it. And the problem with the Paladin system, so this is the mid-90s or so, and it looked like any other video game system, had the little Apple logo on it and everything, but it did not have an operating system. All video games have an operating system. You put it in and boots it up. It's like I said, the Xbox have Microsoft Windows or something running in the background. The Paladin didn't have a system, which means every game made for it had to have an operating system put on the disc. It would take forever to load these things up. Plus, yeah. at the time when Nintendo's coming out and they're not priced more than 250 bucks, and Sega's not priced more than 300 the Paladin was priced at $1,000. Holy cow. It oh. didn't have an operating system? <laughs> nope. Oh, that's a bad idea. Obviously, Apple's foray into video games never worked out at all. Okay. But then not to be left out, Nintendo. And Nintendo's got a pretty damn strong track record when it comes to its video game systems. It mm-hmm. revived the entire industry with their original system. It set so many standards and created so many iconic games, including the Mario Kart games with the Super Nintendo the N64, mm-hmm. you got Smash Brothers. Even their systems that people don't, that are looked at as like failures, like the Wii U and the GameCube, have iconic games that came out for yeah. them. And yeah. they're the, I said the PlayStation 2 is the best selling video game console. Probably in about a year, the Switch will be the best selling video game oh, console. Definitely. <laughs> Nintendo does not miss a lot. And there was a, a guy, Gunpei Yoko, or uh, I think Gunpei Yoya, he, he invented essentially the Game Boy. You put the okay. in the palm of your hand, and it, yeah. it could basically make anything you wanted for Nintendo. So in the mid nineties, nineteen ninety five, he released the Virtual Boy. Have you ever seen this thing? No, I don't know what that is. So it's going to be a virtual video game system again. Nineteen ninety five. It was like these goggles that looked red that you would put your face in. You had a little controller, and it set up on a stand so you could be sitting down. And then it had these spinning mirrors in it, and everything was in a red scale, like a red line scale. And Mario Tennis, famously, was one of the first Virtual Boy games. Okay. And a few problems. It worked. Here's the thing. Like, Nintendo makes something, it works. But sitting like this the whole time hurts your neck. Yeah. People would get motion sickness. There weren't a lot of games made for it. It is widely considered Nintendo's greatest failure. To the point of, again, the guy that invented the Game Boy. I think it's Yokoi. I'm sorry if I'm saying it wrong. But yeah. he retired from Nintendo. A lot uh, of people think he was fired. And then <laughs> yeah. one day he walked into traffic and wherever they were. And but, yeah. Hello, all. This is Future RD. I just said in this moment here that I insinuated that Gunpei Yokoi, I probably am still not saying his name right 
had committed suicide after being let go from Nintendo. After a little bit more research that I did after we recorded this podcast, it was more of an accident that happened to him in that they were on a highway in, uh, I think, Kyoto or Tokyo. They had been rear-ended, and as they got out, another car hit him, and he accidentally had died. So I apologize to his family, his memory, everything like that, that it doesn't look like it was a suicide. It looks like it was an accident, but I wanted to clear that up because it I did insinuate that it may have been a suicide. So thank you. Let's get back to the conversation. He created a Game Boy. It should have been. I, you, know, you don't know what people are going through because you don't know them, but that's tragic. Dude. Yeah. And what's weird about Nintendo, I could have easily talked about the Power Glove and all these no, other things. I remember the Power Glove. But Nintendo, they use the Power Glove to make the Wii controller. They've used mm-hmm. all their failures to... The Switch is just the evolved form of the Wii U. They used all their yeah. failures to to move something. They have never touched anything like virtual reality ever again. Virtual reality seems like a hairy like subject too because there are I, I've done very minimal virtual reality stuff and I get very motion sickness when very motion sick when I do that. So virtual reality seems like a real crapshoot. I wonder. I'm sure somebody will. I don't know if it'll be in my lifetime, but I wonder if somebody's going to make one that just absolutely. I don't know who's going to make it that it actually works and works well for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to end this talking about the biggest computer maker in history, IBM. And IBM, they're still out there. People don't really have IBM computers on their desktops anymore, but there's servers, the cloud, all of that stuff. IBM has is, is been around a long time, and they're going to be around for a long time. But there mm-hmm. was a brief period of time where IBM had its own branded computers. And in the 1980s, the, when the... This is pre-internet, but when you were starting to get, honestly, it's the Apple II or the Commodore 64 really started to put computers on people's desks. And you could do things with the Apple II. You could write your paper for school or you could do like math programs or things like that. Things were happening to allow the automation that we, I just yell at my thing in the corner to do for me nowadays. Yep. Yep. So IBM wanted to get in on this. But the problem is they made big business computers. And these were like, while computers were not cheap to begin with, we're talking about thousands of dollars at the time, IBMs were more expensive. So they decided to come up with something called the IBM PC Junior, PC being personal computer. (laughs) And this was going to be a lower grade version. It was going to have the basic architecture that IBM used, the early versions of Windows, which was like DOS, but it was going to be for more of a home market. Now, I go back to that whole, it didn't really have an operating system on it. Most computers, Uh you had disk drives that went in. So this, they were like, oh, it's for the home market. And what do the home market have? They have kids. And what do kids want to do? Kids want to play video games. So everything was cartridge based. Now, I said 1985, the same year the Nintendo came out. And you could get the Nintendo with the gun and the robot and everything with a couple of games for $300, right? And Nintendo said, we're a toy. Video games are toys, okay? The Atari tried to say, it's fancy. And they're like, no, it's a toy. That's what they were selling their system at. Similar to the PC Junior that doesn't have Mario, doesn't have Duck Hunt, doesn't have any of that stuff. You could go in and buy a Nintendo that had the gun with it, that had the robot with it, had Mario Brothers, had Duck Hunt. You could buy that for $300. Okay. If you wanted to go buy an IBM PC Jr. where you could barely do any of the work a computer could do, but then your kids could play video games that were not Mario, it cost $1,289. <laughs> That's so four times the price yeah. of what the And the, the, uh, the equipment like today, that would cost $3,570. Mm-hmm. 
what games did they have for it that the kids could the only game i really remember that was big was a game called king's quest sierra was the name of the company that did it and it it was a because i had a friend who had this thing it was a more advanced game than nintendo but again that's not what you're not saying oh we're better so biased you're competing with nintendo and Needless to say, I think IBM only sold the PC Junior for a year. And they were like, okay, this is disastrous. We're getting rid of this crap. I'm surprised in 1985, they lasted through 1986 trying to sell a computer for almost $1,300. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you could get a Nintendo with all that stuff, for which 300 bucks isn't cheap, but for $300 compared to $1,200, $1,300, I'd much rather take it. And you're probably looking at the same price point that you're finding the Apple II. I know the Commodore was cheaper than that, but they were already established brands. The Apple II sold for like over a decade. And again, these are more funny, weird stories because I don't necessarily want to say they're failures. But I know the next follow up to the Apple II was the Apple III. And Steve Jobs, this is actually a completely true story, didn't like the whole, didn't think it looked good with holes in the side of it. And those holes were used to dissipate the heat. Mm -hmm. So he made the production team build it without those holes. Needless to say, people would get it. It would overheat. It would shut down. And kid you not, there was a phone number you would call, an Apple phone number. And they would say what you would do is what it had. It was overheat and part of the chipset would separate from the board. So they would tell you to lift it three feet off the ground, drop it, and it would reset the chipset. Oh, my God. That's (laughs) wild, man. So so needless to say, there are little failures here and there. But we're not talking about the successes. But look, the use of Wi-Fi, the putting a computer into your pocket, all this other stuff. Apple may have not invented it, but they sure as hell gave it to everybody. And Ben, they're not the Who computers of the 1996s anymore. The Who computers? Hello all, this is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about another podcast that I do work on called High Heels and Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of this state, she's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because she talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week, and it's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested or know anybody that may be on high heels in politics, just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, before I get to talking about smelling our websites, I'm going to go back to Apple. Okay. Now, this is like wildly famous. In the mid-90s, you had a couple of people were creating these things called uh, personal digital assistants, PDAs. Palm Pilot and Handspring were some of the famous ones. I remember I actually had a handspring, and it was all monocolor. You could get a little pen. It was about the size of a cell phone. You could write notes on it and things like that. 
You could send people your business card if they had the same system. I know famously someone sent me the Palma Sutra, which there's nothing like the porn of a bunch of (laughs) pixelated black and gray figurines and stuff (laughs) like that. Before all that, John Scully was named the Apple CEO. I was trying to remember. And I said Jeff Bridges is Jeff Daniels. Feel like it's a whole ably played by Bill Paxton thing. (laughs) (laughs) Except Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton were more similar, I think. Yes, yes. Than Jeff Bridges and Jeff Daniels. Yes. And Bill Pullman, Bill Pullman's dead. Wait, is it Bill Paxton who's dead? Bill Paxton. Yeah. Bill Pullman. Man, that's a bummer. Because Bill Paxton's the one in Weird Science, right? Yes. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, I think one of his first movies is Streets of Fire. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, but the the Apple of the early 90s, they came out with this thing called the Newt. And it was a handheld device. I had a little stylus and you could write things and things like famously Apple Notes was the program built for the Newton. Obviously, though, if any of us know the Newton is because of the episode where Lisa plays goalie. And okay. <laughs> and at the beginning, when they're getting their academic alerts, uh-huh. you hear like Martin say, oh, this is great. And you hear one of the bullies. I think he says, Kearney, take a note on your Newton, beat up Martin. <laughs> and he types it in. And it, and what you would do is you'd write it down and then it would translate it and put it in like computer script. And it yeah. said, eat up Martha. And he <laughs> threw it at him. So <laughs> that's, that's what the Newton was known for. It was known for you writing something and getting the absolute wrong thing in return. Okay. <laughs> and people, again, made fun of it relentlessly. That Simpsons episode was like early 90s. It was. Yeah, that's an early one. Yeah. And other people would would talk about it. And then when the Palm Pilot came around in the handspring, they worked, whereas the Newton did not work. And famously, it's more legend, I think, than what really happened. But famously, they say when Steve Jobs went back to Apple, the very first thing he did was discontinue the Newton. It was the okay. very first thing. He's, I am not, this isn't our, our company anymore. We are getting rid of this thing. Okay. So it's lived on in somewhat legend. And like I said, a lot of people think it's what led to eventually the iPhone or the iPad. I don't agree with that. It's it's part of a fascinating history of a company that is known to make great products, just making one of the worst products ever. Yeah. But, it seems like even when they make something bad, they learn. Like with Nintendo, you make something bad, but you learn from it and you make it better. And that like Nintendo and Apple do that. Now, talking about a company that has nothing but trillions of dollars to burn on multiple projects that just completely fell apart because they just don't know how to make products. They know how to make software. Now... We've talked about Microsoft a bit on this, and I say you look at the Xbox, and I have an Xbox Series X in my house, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to download Starfield onto my computers, and I had to basically reboot one of my whole computers because of it. But for the most part, Microsoft, which is the world's most successful, largest company right now, they're the most wealthy mm-hmm. company on the planet, they basically built the cloud. They did all this other stuff. Yeah, But during the time of... L.A. Clippers owner Steve Ballmer's reign. Okay. He wanted to compete with Apple. And this okay. is at a time when the Apple's coming out with the, the iPod and then the iPhone and all this other stuff. And he's I can compete with them. And spoiler alert, Ty, he could not compete with them. No, he made a lot of money, but not yeah. from this product, I assume. Yeah, and he used a lot of that money he made to go buy the L.A. Clippers. He did. And to make them 
flame out in the playoffs compared to never well, making the playoffs. You can't help when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard get hurt every damn season. Yeah. And I like both of those guys. Just stay healthy. For no, us. he. I actually <laughs> think he's been a good owner. You're right. Yeah, yeah he he's is. Just, he's a little too obnoxious, but yeah. yes, he's he is a very good owner. I agree with that. The first thing Microsoft tried to do outside of the Xbox, I was I was still under jobs, but one of the first things is they wanted to compete with the iPod. They came out with their version called the Zune. People can't yep. see it, but I actually have it in my hand here. Yep. I remember my wife had an iPod, and there was a problem with it, a problem with its battery, and she'd had it for about two years. And the Apple store told her that they'll give her 10% off of a new one, so she said, I'm never going to buy anything Apple again. She says that now with her iPad and her iPhone. But, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> but she's no, I'm going to go get this Zune. And here's the thing the Zune was great because if you were Microsoft, you had to make it better. It had to be better than what Apple was. And the first version of the Zune worked out really well. And it had this thing that if you turned it on, you could find other people in your area that the same kind of music. And everybody's like, no, I'm never going to turn that on. Yeah. But famously, I think it was during 2008. So it was a leap year. It was a year where we had one extra day. Okay. At midnight of December 30th, every single Zune on the planet shut down. Because Microsoft forgot to program in the leap day. (laughs) So a small inconvenience shut down. That could imagine if everybody had one. Yes. If everybody if that happened with Apple right now, that would be Oh yeah. I just finished watching a series Twisted Metal on Peacock and the whole just like the whole way they talk about why they're in this post-apocalyptic world is that computers got messed up in like 2004. So that's wild. Yeah. (laughs) And the other thing I'll say about the Zune, iTunes was an easy program to use. The Zune store was not. It was not easy at all. And Microsoft famously, which I'm going to talk about in a moment here, doesn't really, if a product doesn't take off right away, they don't really support it. The thing that kept the Xbox alive was Halo. That's oh, just what yeah. it was. The first, the first Xbox it was actually a very innovative system for everything it did, but it had Halo. And mm-hmm. so that was going to keep it alive. And whenever I talk about that, that was originally supposed to be an Apple product. And Steve Jobs oh. said, nobody wants those types of games. Oh, so he was wrong on that yeah. one. <laughs> but like with the Zune, you obviously had that big hiccup and it did end up working for everyone the next I day. Mean, did you Zune owners freak out? Oh, I, I remember vividly because I believe we were, yeah, we were would have been married in 08. My wife's like, what the hell is wrong with this? And, That's wild. Yeah. And they <laughs> That's came, like a Black Mirror episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they came out with another version, which I remember my wife got. And it just, again, Microsoft wasn't supporting it, which is going to lead to two products that I actually owned. So okay. the first is the Windows Phone. Yeah, you were. So for people who don't know you, like I know you're my brother. You were so anti-Apple everything. And I remember you because I had an iPhone at this point. You kept telling me about this glorious Windows phone that you were going to get. And I just remember after you buying it, you always complaining about it. So here's the thing (laughs) I'm going to tell you about the Windows phone. Now, the Windows phone is to this day, my Nokia 1520 is still the greatest phone I've ever seen in my life. This phone's probably 10 years ago when it came out. It was one of the first big phones, had an incredible camera in it. It would have a you know a situation where if I was it would know I was driving, so I could tell it to only let certain phone numbers come through. Yep. It had all of these great things, and I still to this day I always did not like Android or Apple's the way their screens look. It's just too mm-hmm. messy to me. 
Windows yeah. you, was the first phone you could create groups and put them into groups and have it all organized the way you want. Apple did not let you do that till just a couple of years ago or a couple That's of cycles recent. ago. Yeah. So it had all of this stuff going for it, except one thing. There were no apps. <laughs> See, that's a dry <laughs> Yes. You got to have apps. Or and none. Just basic things. So you couldn't get Twitter on it or Facebook. No map. Or, was there no maps? No, there wasn't. There was. There was their maps. There was Bing maps, which twice it put me in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> okay. I'm like, where the that's hell no am good. I? Yeah. yeah, that's no good. It just, it, and look, I gave it years. When BlackBerry's mm-hmm. done, I gave Apple or I gave you Microsoft were, years. You were a supporter. You stuck with it. Even to the point I really liked the Nokia phones, that when I finally went to Android, I got me a Nokia Android. Now, they don't sell them in the States. And when I got the phone, it was in Chinese. And I had to look up online how to switch the language because I can't yep. read Chinese. <laughs> And that phone lasted me about two years, but it was a cheaper phone. The battery went bad. I think I was using somebody's Samsung Galaxy, and I just said, that's it. I went to the AT&T store one day, and I said, what's the best deal you have on an iPhone? Now I'm recording this on an iMac. Yeah, with Same I, as me. I've got my, I got my AirPods. I There's have, my uh, Apple. You can see it. I got my iPhone right yep, next to yep. me. <laughs> I just said, that's it. I'm just, I'm, I'm not playing anymore. I'm going to go. I've got, at work, I actually have a PC, but I also have a mini Mac because I use uh-huh. my Apple stuff all the time now. Yeah. You're a convert. <laughs> yeah. You even sent me the one, the computer I record on for these is an, an, a MacBook Air that you sent. Yeah. I've, I've got a MacBook <laughs> Air. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if you have this or not. I'm going to talk about two other phones that are famous. One of them I could have easily talked about is the Rocker, which was... I've heard of that. Yeah, that was made... (laughs) If you read the Steve Jobs biography, he talks about how Carly Fiorina, who was ahead of Hewlett-Packard, is one of the dumbest people you ever met. It was a deal they made to bring iTunes to a phone. And it was... So this is pre-iPhone. Yeah, But it would only hold 99 songs. It was a really crappy phone. The service didn't work really well. And then two years later, the iPhone came out. Do you remember the ESPN phone? (laughs) No. They had a phone? (laughs) (laughs) So it was a service, but you would get a phone and have the service on it. All right? No, I didn't know they did that. Yeah. So you would get these text messages. This uh, came out in 2005 to keep you up to date with your sports. Now, I guarantee you, you have... Alerts on your phone now and stuff like that. So you would go get this phone that would have the ESPN hardware on it called Mobile ESPN. Here's the problem with it. In order to have this service, cost you $35 a month. Nope. Extra. Nope. (laughs) That's crazy. I had to sit here and grapple with myself if I wanted to pay. I think it's like $8 a month to be a patron to CBB World. And that's Mm -hmm. my favorite podcasting company, minus ours, obviously. But... I grappled with that, and that was $8, and I just became a patron of that, I think, two years ago. So 35 bucks to get some sports updates? No, thank you. Yeah. No, yeah. thank you. It, ESPN is ridiculous. No. <laughs> now, it did famously, it was one of the first times on your phone they streamed a live event. It okay. was when Michigan defeated Ann Arbor 27-7 to on September 2nd, 2006. Michigan defeated Ann Arbor. Or defeated Vanderbilt, sorry. Oh, Vanderbilt. Ann Arbor. Yeah, I was confused for a second. Needless to say, people were like, no. And as technology evolved, it was just a couple of years. I keep going back to the iPhone or the Android phones where you're just getting these notifications ever. And it's interesting talking about streaming, though. I think that's cool that they did that because, like, 
Last year during the Big Ten title game, I was out of town and the place we stayed didn't have live TV. So I had to watch the football game on my TV. It's the first time I've mm-hmm. ever done that before because your wife kept texting me, who's a Purdue alum. Mm-hmm. Purdue's going to beat them. And then yeah. I got back to the Airbnb and saw Michigan was up two scores. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> so do you remember the Amazon phone? <laughs> no, yeah, I don't remember the Amazon phone. This is the third dumbest idea I'm going to tell you about. Okay. okay. And this includes smelling the internet, and this is dumber than smelling the internet. So yeah, smelling the internet is that doesn't sound appealing. No. Amazon decided to make something called the Fire Phone back in 2015. Okay. And it was supposed to have this 3D display that it, like with Nintendo's 3DS, you didn't have to have glasses to have it. But the thing about this phone is gonna connect you to the Amazon experience. You would go to a website and they would say, Hey, I saw you like this thing. Do you want to buy this from Amazon? Mm, Needless to say, people didn't like that. No, it's an invasion (laughs) of privacy. (laughs) And which is why the Fire Phone, I think, lasted maybe two years. Wow. Okay. Again, ahead of the game, I was out with our dad and my buddy Kirk, sometimes contributor Kirk. Him and I were talking about a racer that we like. And the moment I went on my phone after I got home, there was ads from that racer and the stuff that she shills. It was all over my phone. Mm-hmm. So ahead of the game, dude, they, yeah. Amazon was listening before. They were, but it fell apart. Before I get in, I've been teasing this. And before I get into just two of the most colossally stupid ideas known to mankind, I'm going to tell you about eye smell. This just it sounds gross. Eye <laughs> smell was a device that would have these scents put into it and you would plug sure. it into a USB port and then plug it into your wall. And you would go to certain websites, mainly things like perfumes or stuff like that, and it would say, do you want to smell? The idea was you would also go to other websites, and let's say there's like a game called Lawnmower Simulator. It would produce the smell of grass being cut. Or if it was okay. a racing game, it would produce the smell of like rubber, or an action game, it would produce things like gunpowder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't work. No, I... How could you produce smells at a rate that we keep referencing the Simpsons here, but it's like with the smell person who's addicted to smells like when Homer is going to his reunion and the guy's, oh, I make a product that can make you get porn 10,000 times faster or whatever. And Marge says, who needs that? And Homer's drooling. I feel like Marge in this scenario with the who needs to smell different. You can buy air fresheners. You can buy air wicks. So if you don't need to buy. A, a, a thing like, oh, I right now I need to smell fresh cut grass. So let me turn on my phone that'll send this thing to it. it it's too much. Too it's much. they're trying to create this immersive experience, but I think when yeah. it comes to like when you're talking about virtual reality, yeah, I think the last thing you add to that is smell. Yeah, you have the goggles. Obviously, you have the clothing or the suits that can produce movement or people feeling you. It's okay, fine. Smell is something, but that's the last thing. It's not first thing you add. No, that's just, that's, I'm not, I'm opposed to these movie theaters too that moves and everything when you're watching an action. I know, yeah. I made my wife go see Oppenheimer in one and she said never again. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the whole idea of smell is stuff like, no, thank you. I'm not into that. All right. Google Glass. I do know of Google Glass. I'm aware, I'm aware of Google Glass. I have the entry version of the Oculus. Okay. Mm -hmm. The, it was it's not made by it's made by Meta now, Facebook, but it was made on its own before they bought it. And it, it works. It's a nice system. It works. I think I think I paid around three hundred bucks for it. Good. Microsoft has the HoloLens, which is a big headset that allows like it's got the goggles and it's augmented reality. You can 
I know famously, like in business and stuff, you could put the model of something on the board and have people all over the world touching it and manipulating it. But that's for business. I think I remember talking to our father. One of the last things he did before he retired from Boeing was buy a whole bunch of the HoloLenses because that's the type of business it's used for. Apple just announced their Vision Pro. Now, I happen to think we one day, if we do this podcast again, we're going to talk about Vision Pro because I think it's way overpriced and I don't think even Apple knows what to do with it. Just like I don't think Meta knows what to do with their virtual reality system. Nobody's figured this out yet. Mm-hmm. But Google came out with this Google Glass. And if you remember, it went over your head and had a little, yep, little like, thing screen to the right there. It's also, like a Bluetooth, but for your eyes. Yes. And also the sound was done through the whole bone conduction, where mm-hmm. it's like through yep. your cheek and triggers yep. it. Google Glass was basically going to be a, an item where you could have it on your face and you could be like, where's the nearest Starbucks? And it would tell you and it'd pop up a little map and have you walk to it. The other thing Google Glass lets you do is record. Okay. So you could walk around with Google Glass. You could record anything you want, and the people you're recording don't know you're recording. Oh, no thanks. Creepy. Yeah. (laughs) Too creepy. A lot. It it ended up becoming Google Glass ended up becoming such a problem that people, especially this was out in San Francisco in that area, people would walk into bars with Google Glass on. They would get assaulted. Like, it got made people very upset. Now, the idea behind Google Glass was you could have, like, in a hospital, in, in, like, surgery, a surgeon could have, like, procedures or your vitals popped up on their eye while they're doing surgery. You could do teleconferencing around with people with it. And I even know to the point of, in my business, politics, we talked about getting Google Glass to walk around to opponents' political rallies and be able to record them in real time and upload it right away. There's a lot of good uses for it. The sure. problem is Microsoft knew how to use augmented reality. It's for the business market. It's not yeah. for people don't want it out in the regular market. Mm. I think Meta has figured out that the way they're going to use their virtual reality is through gaming and they've been okay. somewhat successful. This is where I think the Apple Vision I have questions about. I don't think they know how to exactly use it. Yeah, it yeah, it just it's it seems so stuff like that is a intrusive, but also distracting. Like yeah. you have a map on you while you have to look up. Like it just it seems that that whole idea of Google Glass just seems pointless to yeah. me. I think you can still get business versions of it and stuff like that, but it it died out really quick, as it should have. So let me tell you, let me finish this tie and tell you about Dean Kamen. Who's that? So Dean Kamen was an inventor. Okay. All right. Dean Kamen was going to change the world. Okay, as most inventors say they mm-hmm. are. The 1990s, he started to talk about it. It? He was building like it. The movie Penny with Pennywise? No, he was just <laughs> building it. It was what? going to change the world. What is it? So he started to raise a lot of money, and he'd bring in a lot of famous rich people. Including Steve Says a Jobs. Theranos vibe. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Brought in a lot. Of, and Steve Jobs one time went on and said, This is this thing is going to absolutely change the world. He got tons of money. And it's everybody is waiting. I remember this vividly. We're waiting for it. And then one morning on Good Morning America, Dean came and showed us what it was. Do you what? know what it is? I have no idea. The Segway. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so 
he got all this money. Uh, all right. <laughs> okay. Right. And it, brilliant marketing by this gentleman to get all these people on board. And if you watch this, if you watch this Good Morning America segment, you could even tell the people on Good Morning America are like, really? <laughs> that makes it even funnier. <laughs> I love it. That's nuts. The segue was such. Lime scooters are way cooler, yeah. like way easier to use, and bikes are better. And the Segway is such a waste of time. And I'm, I can very proudly say that I never used one in my entire life. No, neither have I. And to be as fair as I can, it was supposed to change transportation. It was going to change mm-hmm. the way we moved around. Sure. And that's, but the problem is everybody started to see this, and it's like, wait a second. Are you going to go on sidewalks with this? What about people yeah. that don't have a Segway? Yep. <laughs> what happens to them? And mm-hmm. everybody's, you're not going to replace cars with this thing. You're not going to do any of that. But it was one of these situations you talked about Theranos. Is this was a rich Silicon Valley guy, and he brought in other rich Silicon Valley people. And he said, yep. look, we're going to change the world. And they all sat around. They just rode around in a warehouse going, oh, look how much fun this is. Pump the thing up. And then the moment the rest of the public saw it said, you have got to be freaking kidding me. Yeah, this is rich people doing rich people things and thinking that everybody else will want to live that lifestyle. And that's not the way it is. No. And look, they some medical emergency services use it. The police in some European countries have used it. Where I have my office in downtown Cincinnati, there's a little Segway station there for tours of the city or whatever. You you see these things. Scooters are cooler. Yeah. Oh, they, they're much cooler. I use yeah. <laughs> I I don't really use them in Cincinnati, but if I go to Columbus, I use lime scooters all the time. I use them downtown St. Louis. Usually whenever I'm down there, I use yeah. a lime scooter. It, the Segway, is probably most famously known for something we talked about a few weeks ago. Kevin James and that stupid mall cop movie. <laughs> totally. There's a whole there's an episode of the show Happy Endings where Casey Wilson's character goes on a Segway tour, like a date with her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And it, she falls down. She's constantly falling down. That's what I equate the segue with, falling down. It even says, like, they basically, they stopped making, I think there's still people at service, but there were, like, big-time famous accidents of people using them. George W. Bush got in an accident. Ellen DeGeneres, Usain Bolt. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Ridiculous. And then it even says, if you look at their Wikipedia thing, that it's basically been replaced by Lime Scooters or Mm -hmm. whoever the other one is. Yeah, I don't, yeah. But it St. was. Louis, we have lime scooters, yeah. so that's what I think of. Everything I talked about here, and all these except for maybe I smell, were pretty big companies. They're getting into markets either too early, they're getting into the market too late. The equipment they're building just isn't working right and giving things a bad name. But Two all of them, them you said didn't have operating systems. Yes. Yeah. But all of them pretty much were companies that figured out, use those mistakes and learn something from them. In Microsoft's totally. case, oh, I never even talked about the Microsoft Watch the Microsoft band. I had that and I had three of them in one year because one just shut down randomly. And this was one of the first watches you could pay with your wrist. It would use barcodes. But then the second to last one I had, I was just sitting in my chair one day and I felt like something pinching my wrist and it burned me. (laughs) Oh my God, that's horrible. (laughs) I've been down these roads, but in the case of Microsoft, they learned just not to make that crap. And Apple obviously... 
there were probably things out of the Newton with the touch on the screen that did lead to what the yeah, iPhone had. they just fine-tuned that to make an iPhone today. But the Segway? No, I think Dean Kamen, I think, used all the money he grifted out of these people, and I think he bought an island or something. Oh, wonderful. Just what, yeah, just what he needs. <laughs> but that's it, Ty. That's a tale of the big tech failures of our lifetime. It's pretty fascinating when you hear about that. You're, that's right. You mentioned a bunch of stuff that I do know and companies that everybody knows, but it's pretty interesting to see all these it's trial and error type stuff. But when you have companies where lots of people use your stuff, it's interesting to see what makes it and what doesn't. You were all about your Zoom and all about your Windows phone when you had it. And now you have Apple products. Oh, yeah. So it's just interesting. And I remember when my wife and I went from regular, like the original cell phones to smartphones, we debated between Android and iPhone. And then I, we were talking, this was a while ago, but my wife said, could you imagine if we went Android and not iPhone? I was like, oh, no, it's not even a question. So it's just crazy where you see the differences and everything and how, why something worked and why something didn't work. That's yeah, and fascinating to me. Yeah, and I tell people all the time, look, I there's a reason I have an Xbox over a PlayStation. And it's for games. It's for certain games that I like to play. I prefer Forza Horizon. The aforementioned Starfield is only on the Xbox and the Microsoft Flight Simulator. And that's why people choose Sony. They choose it Mm -hmm. for those games. Sony overall has better games, but I'm not the guy that plays those kind of games. I don't play God of War or things like that. You make that choice based on it. And then obviously we have a Nintendo. I wanted to believe in some of these products, but at the end of the day, and my wife's going to be rolling her eyes when she hears me say this. My Apple stuff just works. I've had yeah, this is my second. Yeah. This is my second Apple Watch, and neither of them have burned me yet. Yeah, <laughs> you don't feel a pinching sensation on your no. Wrist. I like you said. You've got my old MacBook. Things like ten years old and still works great. Work fantastic. You know, I had I got a new Mac Mini for my office, and I gave my son my old one, which is older than that iMac, and it works out fine for him. Yeah. That stuff matters. The ability to work matters. Absolutely. That's and not having some stupid ass thing like the Segway matters too. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Again, to just keep calling it and that's Mm -hmm. what he came out. That's crazy Mm -hmm. to me. That's absolutely nuts. So Ty, if Microsoft needs to find you to refund you on that Red Rain of Death (laughs) Xbox, where are they gonna find you? I do need my money back. I should have done that too. I was probably like a poor college student at that time. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Ty Kulik, T Y K U L I K, all lowercase. More importantly, come read my stuff on SeedSing, S-E-D-S-I-N-G dot com. Tons of football content up there. I've been writing about movies and stuff I'm watching. You can find a whole bunch of stuff there. SeedSing, S-E-D-S-I-N-G dot com. You can hear me on a few episodes of Chucklehead Chat, hosted by my buddy Glenn Adams. Most importantly, listen to me on this podcast, the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast. Rate, review us, tell all your friends about us, check out our Patreon. And as always, Black Lives Matter. Here, repeat all that. Ex-Millennial Man Seed saying, also go check out Public Forum Productions and our latest first watch rewatch on Grease 2. You and I actually, I'm going to talk when we're done here about when we need to record next for that. And then, yeah, with all that being said, we thank you for your ears. Anything else that you may use to listen to the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. Remember, we're here every Saturday for free wherever you find your fine podcasting shows. And... That's all I got. I'm going to go see if I can dig out my Windows phone and boot up my Zoom and just rock out like it's 2007 or whatever. Sounds good. (laughs) Stay fresh, cheese bags.
The X Millennial Man podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik and Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.